from uh, verse 3 down to verse 9. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. And then to the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter, starting with verse 1 and reading down to verse 13. Although our focus will be verse 2. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, I'd like to think that the Dutch among us will be proud of me. Because a couple of weeks ago, I did something that I have not done in at least 20 years. I rode a bicycle. (laughs) Come on, you know, give it up for me. Come on, guys. Give it up for me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I rode a bicycle. We were up in the Peak District, and we were on the Monsell Trail, 
And, you know, just something came over me, and I thought, I'm going to ride a bicycle. And so we hired a couple of bicycles. The Monsell Trail is a trail. It's about, I don't know, I don't know how far we went, 15 miles or so uh, there and back. It's a lovely trail. Uh, used to be a, a railway, uh, and they took it out and made uh, a nice trail from Bakewell going almost all the way to Buxton there up in the Peak District. And so I was on the mountain bike, and uh, Karen and I rode together and it was quite amazing, uh, although, you know, bicycles have changed since uh, I last rode a bicycle, as you might imagine. And I noticed that the seats have gotten smaller and harder. Uh, and in fact, it didn't take very long before my discomfort level on this mountain bicycle uh, reached epic proportions. And so we had to do frequent rest breaks along the way. And, uh, you know, without going into too much graphic detail, I dealt with being saddle sore for quite a long time. Uh, intensely, intensely painful. Uh, and only now, a couple of weeks later, am I starting to get over the discomfort that I was experiencing. And, I, and, and it was so much, yeah, okay, Walter, you know, Walter's being sympathetic for me. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've shielded myself in the future. I bought one of these gel uh, seat covers. So the next time I go cycling, I'm going to cycle in comfort, baby, let me tell you. But, you know, it reminded me, that, that whole experience and feeling kind of reminded me a little bit what it feels like when you sit on a fence. Because if you've never sat on a fence, those things are rather uncomfortable as well. They're kind of hard, and, uh, and, and after a while, you get rather sore and rather uncomfortable. But the problem is that today, there's a lot of people who make an art form out of sitting on the fence. Because we, we deal with uh, a, a rather interesting problem in our world today. We have so many choices that we're afraid to make a choice because as soon as you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to everything else. You know, as soon as I stood before God with my now wife and said, yes, I do, that meant that I was saying no to every other woman in the world. Now, for me, that was pretty cool because I knew that we were called together, but I know that there are a lot of guys that they think, you know, they're, they're, they want to say yes, and a lot of gals too. It's not just a guy thing. Uh, they want to say yes, but the problem is there might be somebody else I like better out there. Right? Now, there might be something that I like a little bit more. And so if I say yes to this woman, you know, what happens if next week I meet the girl of my dreams? Now, you understand that dynamic there, right? You know, already you've just undermined the woman who probably is the woman of your dreams. By the way, do you know what? i just give you a secret, guys and gals, just as an insight. Do you know that Karen did not become the woman of my dreams until I said yes to her? And it was after I said yes that I discovered that she was the woman of my dreams. Now you think, well, that sounds kind of strange. Shouldn't God have told you that beforehand? No, he never does that. You know, think about Moses. Remember Moses at the burning bush? 
you know, God speaking to him, most of us, we'd say, wow, God, give me a burning bush. I'd listen to that. You know, God speaking to him and saying all these things. And then Moses, I mean, I mean, what, what kind of, I mean, this is before TV. I mean, uh, he didn't have Ridley Scott to, to do the special effects there. I mean, God did that himself. And then Moses says, okay, well, how do I know that what you're telling me is what I should do? And you remember what he said? He said, well, you'll know because when you've done all of it, you'll worship me on this mountain. And Moses, I mean, I, I think the guy's an idiot. He goes, oh, yeah, okay, that sounds good. And I'm thinking, dude, that's not a guarantee. You want God to give you something beforehand, not afterwards. But a lot of times, that's the way God works. You don't meet the woman of your dreams until after you say yes to the woman who becomes the woman of your dreams or the man of your dreams. Uh, you, you, you know, a lot of people are like that with churches. A lot of people are like that with uh, 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 countries. You can put that anywhere. And there comes a point in time where we can no longer sit on the fence. We have to get off the fence, make a decision, make a commitment, because if we don't, we will not move into what God has for us. And that is always the risk that is inherent in making a decision and making a commitment. That you don't most of the time know that this is what you're supposed to do until after you've done it. And then God shows you. You have to trust. You have to get off the fence. You have to make the commitment. You have to step into it. And the truth is that God has a land for each of us, a promised land for each and every one of us. He's got a promised land for us corporately. He's got a promised land for you individually. Uh, in, the, in the letter to Hebrews here that we wrote, uh, that we read, uh, you can say that God has a place of rest for us. He has a place of rest for us. And the thing is, you have to step into that place of rest before you experience that place of rest. You have to step into the promised land before you receive the promised land. And that was a problem with the Hebrews in the Old Testament. They had seen all these miracles and things. God had provided for them. He parted the Red Sea. They went through the Red Sea. They get on the edge of the promised land. They send spies out into the promised land. Ten of the spies, they all come back and say, wow, this is a great place. This is a great place for us to go. They all experience that. But 10 of them say, oh man, but the obstacles are too big. The obstacles are too great. There's giants in the land. There's a problem. They're going to swallow us up. They're going to eat us alive. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. And Joshua and Caleb, they're saying, well, wait, no, God said to do it. If God's given us this land, we're stupid not to do it. It's God that does this. It's not us. It's God that provides the land. And so what ended up happening, they didn't go into the land. They sat on the fence. They said, oh, I don't know. That's a little odd. Maybe, nah, you know, maybe, maybe, I will hold back. And then God said, okay, well, you're going to wander another 40 years. And they said, oh, okay, well, we'll get off the fence and go in the land. God said, well, it's too late now. I told you to step in it. You didn't step in it. Now you'll wander in the wilderness until all of you adults are dead and then the kids will inherit it. Now, that's where a lot of people end up in their lives. 
A lot of people refuse to get off the fence. They refuse to step into the promised land. They refuse to take the, the direction that God has shown them, whether it's with a person or whether it's with a church or whether it's in a, with a country or a community uh, or a job or any number of things. We refuse to make a choice. We refuse to make the commitment. And we never receive what is promised simply because we wouldn't step into it by faith. And that's not something that none of us want to experience. So how do we experience this? How do we walk into this? How do we receive the promised land that God has for us? How do we become the people of God together that God wants us to be? How does this unfold in our lives? Well, the two passages that we read today give us some of our responsibility. You know, it's God's responsibility to provide the land. It's God's responsibility to bring everything together. It's God's responsibility to clear the way. It's God's responsibility to give direction to his people. It's God's responsibility for all these things. But we also have responsibilities of our own. And if we don't take up our responsibilities, we will never experience the fullness of what God has for us. So what are our responsibilities? There's a few things. For, for the psalmist, he says... Whoops, I'm wrong, wrong psalm there. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. The first thing, first responsibility we have is to do good. To do, to act in ways that benefit other people. That's what it's about. Doing good is not doing good to yourself, it's doing good to others. And the choices we make always need to be focused on what is beneficial to other people. But don't we need to look out for ourselves? No, you do good. You do what is good, what is beneficial for other people all the time. Well, how can that be? I mean, we're in a world where people will take advantage of me. We're in a world where, where, where people, you know, we need to look out for ourselves here. You know, if I'm doing good, but I'm not doing, trying to do good for myself, you know, I, I could become a victim here. What's the key? Well, the key is the first part of the verse, trust in the Lord. If we do good, trusting in the Lord, God will bring good for us. Now, he doesn't always bring it the way we want it. He doesn't always bring it in the time that we want it. But I tell you, my life is a testimony that God is good and God is good all the time. And God has brought me through some years and years of difficulty and struggle into a place of his goodness. And even as I look back on those years of difficulty and struggle, God was for me in the midst of those times for my good even then. I didn't always recognize it, but God was there. So we trust in the Lord and do good. That's our responsibility. The choices we make even as we go before the Lord today as a congregation or church meeting, we need to be saying, what is going to be good? Not for us, but for other people, for the coming generations. What is good? What is the good that God wants us to do? The second thing there, we go on, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Second thing, we need to dwell in the land faithfully. Now, the land is the place that God has given you. Your land is your family. Your land is your church. If God's called you to this church, this is part of your land. 
Your land is your job. Your land is your home. Your land is your possessions. All of these things form part of your land. And we need to learn how to dwell in our land. You know, most of us spend most of our time thinking about the next land that we want to occupy, not the land that we're dwelling in right now. I remember that. Even early on in ministry, uh, the first couple years of ministry, they weren't quite exactly what I thought that they would be. I, I thought people would actually like me, and I discovered that they didn't. Uh, and I thought people would actually listen to me, uh, and then I discovered that they wouldn't. And then God took me to Ezekiel, I think it's around chapter 32, 33 or so, uh, where it says, you know, the people aren't listening to you, they come to you like a singer of love songs, uh, they'll listen to you, but they won't do what you say. You know, and God spoke that over my life, and I said, oh, thanks, God, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, and, and so I started thinking about the next thing that I might do, the next church that I might go to. Uh, and that always undermines our faithfulness. Uh, you can put it uh, in, in this way. Just think if I was thinking about the next woman that I was going to marry. Well, you know, Karen's pretty good, but let me think about the next woman that I'm going to marry. Now, what do you think that would do for our relationship? I guarantee you it wouldn't be good. And also, what do I have to do? I have to dwell in the land that God has given me right now and befriend faithfulness. My key responsibility in my land is to be faithful. If I am faithful in the land that God has given me, He might entrust me with a broader land. That doesn't mean more wives, but with a broader land. If, I tr if I'm faithful where God has placed me now, then God is able to trust me to expand that territory. And many times we do not receive expansion in our lives, in our ministry, in our work, because we're not faithful. We don't befriend faithfulness. And we are responsible to be faithful. And God has given us everything we need to be faithful. We have everything we need to be faithful in our marriages, faithful in our jobs, faithful in our church, faithful in our home, faithful with our money, faithful with our resources, faithful with our time. Nobody can prevent us from being faithful. Do you know that? Nobody can prevent you from being faithful. All the power of hell together cannot prevent you from being faithful. So make faithfulness your friend as you dwell in the land that God has given you. Embrace it. Then delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. The third thing is we have to make the Lord our focus, the Lord our joy, the Lord our delight. That means that knowing that God is pleased with us should be one of the highest joys that we have. And by the way, God is pleased with you. He loves you. Delight yourself in the Lord. Make Him your focus. Make Him the orientation of your life. If I'm delighting myself in my wife, that means that I want to spend every available moment I can with my wife. And I do delight in my wife. I delight in my wife so much that it hurts me physically when we're apart. It's just not comfortable. Now that delight is not based on her beauty, not based on her talent, 
not based on uh, 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 her great personality, although she's got all those things. That delight is simply based on the fact that I've chosen her and she's chosen me. And God's chosen you and has enabled you to choose him. Make that the focus of your delight. And here's the key. A lot of times we're looking after what's going to bring our heart deepest delight. Do you know what? You don't know your heart like God does. And if you will delight yourself in God, you will find the desires of your heart. And they will be so much better than what you can imagine. I've seen this consistently in my life. And people so often fail because they don't make the Lord their delight. They want to delight in the world. They want to delight in their flesh. They want to delight in the simple passing pleasures of life rather than delighting in the Lord. So make him your focus. Orient everything in your life toward him and he will reveal the desires of your heart and he will be pleased to give you the desires of your heart. And young people, you don't know yet what the desires of your heart are. You think you do, but you don't. You will discover this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And then the psalmist goes on and gives us another personal responsibility. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Commit your way to the Lord. This means that we have to commit our lives, what we do, how we live, everything we have, everything we are, we give it to the Lord. We surrender it to God. Now that's hard because most of us, especially us guys, we want to take charge. We want to be in control. We want to to say, okay, I need to do this, 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 and I need to take the bull by the horns and bring it bring it to pass. Now, now there is responsibility there, but let me tell you, you don't win your battles. You don't bring breakthrough. It's only God who brings breakthrough. And so we have to commit our way, where we're going, how we're doing it, commit everything to the Lord and trust in the Lord to act on our behalf. You cannot make your life happen. All you can do is orient yourself toward God, dwell in the land, befriend faithfulness, choose to do good, but you can't make the results happen. It's not your brilliance, it's not your hard work, nothing like that. You don't make it happen. You have to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And then there's one other thing that we'll mention here. There's several other things here. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently For those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. I tell you, this is one of the hardest things, is to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for the Lord to give the command, the Lord to give the instruction. I mean, it's really hard. You know, I I see things happening all around me. Sometimes it's a bit like um, uh, that, that great scene in the first Star Wars film, which turned out to be the fourth Star Wars film, 
which, you know, anyway, you, if you've seen the Star Wars thing, it was the very first one back in 77. They're, they're, they're doing the raid on the Death Star. Uh, there's bombs exploding all around them. You know, Darth Vader's uh, stormtroopers are flying the little uh, the X-Wing fighters in there. Uh, no, they fly the other fighters anyway. Uh, and, they're, and the, you know, people are flying left and right. And there's this one guy there who says, wait for it, wait for it. Wait for it. And that's really the idea here. That there's so much stuff happening all the time, all around us, that the biggest temptation for us is to jump in there and get on with it. It's a bit like we're in the midst of the battle, and the general has said, okay, hold your position, hold your position, hold your position. What do we want to do? We want to advance. We want to go over and help our friends over here. What, we, we, we see that, oh, this, this side seems to be advancing a little bit more, so I want to get over there and I want to advance with them uh, a little bit better because, you know, God's just telling me to stand still and I don't want to stand still. I want to advance. I'm ready for battle. I'm ready for progress. I'm ready to see the outcome. I'm ready to take the land. And the Lord is saying, wait wait. I don't want to wait. I want to move. I want to go for it. I want revival now. I want salvation now. I want to see seven and a half million people saved now. I don't want to wait for it. I want to go after demons now. I, I want to make, make the changes happen now. I want to push myself and push myself. I want to get a breakthrough in my job right now. I want to get a breakthrough in my church right now. I want to see my family change right now. And we want to push it and push it and make it happen. But whenever you do that, you start to fret yourself and you mess the whole thing up. And you put yourself in a place of great vulnerability. And there are many Christians who lose it, literally, because they don't wait patiently for the Lord and listen to him and remember the promise that those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. We've got a land that I'm convinced we are to inherit as a church. And it's the hardest thing in the world the last 15 years. This year, last Thursday, marked my 15th anniversary of my induction here as the minister of City Temple. It's been the hardest thing in the world to wait 15 years. Man, I thought when we come here that uh, we had so much energy and there was so much happening that we're going to have breakthrough after breakthrough. And I thought, you know, three years, we're going we're to see over 200 people in the life of the church. And we're going to see all these things happening. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And it was tempting to give up. It was tempting to quit. But the Lord said, don't resign. So I couldn't resign. The Lord said, stand. So all I could do is stand. The Lord kept speaking promises and promises and promises over us. Most of them have not been fulfilled yet. But all of them will be fulfilled in us if we wait for the Lord. Because those who wait for the Lord shall Inherit the land. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't focus on what's happening around you. Wait for it. Now, right now, there's little sprouts of revival that seem to be springing up in various places around the world. Interesting things happening, exciting things happening. It's not it. It's a sign that it's coming, but it's not it. Wait for it. We're going to see it. 
We're going to see it. But we've got to wait for it. But it's coming. It's coming. And we're going to inherit the land. But there's one other thing. And this is an area where, oh man, we often mess up. Again, the writer to the Hebrews here is talking about rest, is talking about the land. And there's one other responsibility. And because the Hebrews failed this responsibility, they did not inherit the land and they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Because they failed in this one responsibility. Look there at verse 2. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. We have a responsibility to unite ourselves by faith with those who are listening. This word unite here means to mix ourselves up with. It's kind of like the, the idea of adding an ingredient, uh, say, in, in a meal, in a, in a cake or something like that. And you know what? If you add, say, uh, black currants into a cake and slices of carrot and, and raisins and you mix them in the cake and you bake the cake, you know what? You can't go back and pick out the, the, the carrot out of a carrot cake. Do you know that? You can try, but in the end, it just destroys the cake. What do you do to achieve a carrot cake? You've got to mix it up. You've got to mix up all the ingredients. And that's the idea behind this word in the Greek. We've got to mix ourselves up by choice, by faith. Now, this is an important thing. It's by faith. Because if you're talking about mixing yourself up with City Temple, I mean, let's look around us. And we don't even have to look around you. You just have to look in front of you, you know. And, and I, I'm, who am I? I and, and I'm an American. You know, I, I, people could confuse me with Donald Trump or something. Although my hair looks nicer. You know, the... The real challenge with uniting ourselves by faith is that the people we're uniting ourselves with never really meet our expectations. They're not the brightest. They're not the best. They're not the most beautiful. They're not the wealthiest. Uh, and as fact, as Christians, we're going to see this more and more, that sometimes we're, we're treated as the scum of the earth. And so we choose to unite ourselves by faith. And that's why it has to be by faith. Because if I wanted to unite myself by sight, then I would probably want to go around and find a better looking group of people than us. Isn't that true? So we unite ourselves by faith. And we unite ourselves by faith with those who are listening to God. And this is really a key thing. If you don't believe that the people that you're with are listening to God, then you should not be united to them. 
And if you choose to be united to them and continue to be united to them, then you are saying as a declaration, I believe this people are listening to God. They are seeking to obey Him. They're following Him. They're hearing His Word and they're acting on it. And that is our responsibility. And if you're not feeling comfortable to unite yourself by faith to this group of people who are seeking to listen to God and who are believing, then you need to find a group of people to unite yourself by faith with who are, you believe, listening to God. It's a key thing. And it's really quite simple. And sometimes we really struggle with it. But actually it's really quite simple. Because you will not enter your land, you will not enter that place of rest unless you're uniting yourself by faith with those who are listening to God. Unless you are choosing to unite yourself by faith, mixing it up so that it's going to be hard to extract yourself, but you've got to mix it up, be 100% in there, take that responsibility. God is calling us as a people to be united and committed. Because it's going to take a people who are united and committed to go fully into the promised land that God has for us. I'm excited. I am very excited because it's close. It's so close. So close I can taste it. So close I can sense it. So close I can feel it in my bones. So close I know it in my spirit. So close that we're going to see something amazing in our midst, in this church, as well as in our world. Our challenge is to take up our responsibilities, unite ourselves and commit ourselves because together, We're doing this all for God's glory. It's all about Jesus. At the end of the day, it's about Jesus receiving glory. We're uniting ourselves by faith. We're doing all these other responsibilities so that Jesus will receive the glory that he deserves. So that we will be his people, a kingdom and priests unto our God. So that we will be the fulfillment of all that he has for us so that he will receive glory and honor. And so the seven and a half million people within 15 miles of us right now who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, so that many of them might come into the kingdom of God and might receive salvation. That is God's purpose in us. That is who we are together. Will you take up your responsibilities in this? Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much. Thank you for how you speak to us. Thank you for how you love us. Thank you for how you guide us. Thank you for your mercy and grace in our lives. Lord, as we come into this time of worship, I pray that you would show us which, if any, of these responsibilities that we need to take up. Maybe we've not been been doing the good that you've called us to do. Maybe we've not been dwelling in the land and befriending faithfulness. 
Maybe we have not been delighting ourselves in you or committing our way to you or waiting patiently for you to inherit the land. Or perhaps we have not really united ourselves by faith with those who are listening. Whatever it is, Lord God, I pray that you would reveal it to our hearts and let us take up that responsibility, not only individually, but also corporately, so that City Temple as a church might be for your glory and praise, and so that hundreds of thousands might come to faith in Jesus Christ because of what you are doing here in and through us. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, exalt yourself. Jesus, we lift you high as we pray all these things in your name. Amen.